0: Good morning, Jericho Road. So glad you joined us for worship this morning. I'll tell you that I am so blessed by this church, by your love, by your support of one another, and about what God is doing right now in each of you and in us as a church. What do you say we do some shouting this morning? Are you ready? What do we do? Love God and love others. What do we say? I love God and I love you. Amen. Bless you this morning. We're going to spend the next two weeks in a short series called Security. Then, the week after, which is the last week of June, we are looking to have our reopening in-person service at the church. That's right, we are going to be meeting again on the last week of June. This will also be Pastor Jimmy's final message to our church. So we would love to see you there. If you're comfortable enough, with the reopening measures that we've put in place. If you didn't get the email, the Instagram, or the Facebook post, you could get those details on our website at JerichoRoad.Church. In fact, you can always go to JerichoRoad.Church and find all sorts of information if ever you uh, need something. Next week, we're gonna look at the uh, larger picture of security in this world, and in our lives, and in eternity, and some huge stuff like that. But today, we're gonna say incredibly we're gonna stay incredibly personal. I'd like to talk about the individual issue of insecurity within each of us. And how do we overcome that insecurity that you and I face? For many years I navigated in the realm of insecurity. Now there are lots of factors which contributed to that internal instability. But by the time I was attempting to form like who I was and my identity, I was, I was incredibly insecure. So I bounced from identity to identity to attempt to fit in, to attempt to find some, some measure of internal security. So like in sixth grade, I tried to become a breaker, like a breakdancer. Like I saw that movie Break-In in the movie theaters, and I thought that that was so cool. Then, then a couple of weeks later, I saw some kids do it in the school talent show. And so I was like all in. Me and and a buddy, we got some cardboard and we put it in our living room and and we we would be practicing for hours trying to copy those moves. Uh, But then uh, that kind of faded out a bit since I wasn't any good at it, even after practicing. So I still felt insecure. I was a terrible breaker. Then in seventh grade, I tried to be a skater. I bought me a $20 skateboard from Kmart and I was on my way skating all around town with another buddy or two, uh, but that didn't last either. By the time I was in 8th grade, I tried to be a jock. I played basketball every day and at that time, I didn't get too good at it. Well, heck, I, I was only like four foot nine and maybe 70 pounds at the time. Again, after all my efforts, I was left insecure. Then in ninth grade, I, I went all in with the nerd herd and I was all about that study life and and yeah, that wasn't quite me either. Tenth grade, I switched again because I saw the best looking girl in the entire world, Hedgen, So I became a Hedgen lover. Now this one actually never faded over the last 31 years. But it was never enough to overcome my personal insecurities. And it probably didn't help that she didn't like me for, the, for 12 of those years. But that's all wonder, water under the bridge now. So in eleventh and twelfth grade, I became a theater guy again. So by the time I get to my freshman year of college, like, pure and simple, I was just lost. I didn't know who I was or where I was going. As a freshman, I, I, went, out, uh, I went all out as a jerk and as a, as a loser, smoking and getting drunk and stealing like crazy. And I started attending church and Bible studies regularly. So I've told you the story before about the clearest time of this massive, massive identity crisis when one night I was out breaking into cars and I was stealing stuff and I was, I was walking by different cars, looking in the windows, trying the handles, just scoping things out. While at the same time I had a praise song from church stuck in my head. So here I am breaking into cars and singing, he is exalted. The king is exalted and I, I will praise him. So one of probably Jerry Williams favorites. <laughs> so here there I was breaking into cars and singing a praise song. How's that for an identity crisis? All because I was insecure uh, with who I was. Look, I didn't like me. I didn't feel good enough. I didn't feel valuable. Up until this point in my life, I had navigated in an incredibly insecure internal space. So maybe at this point, you're, you're probably saying one of two things internally as you listen. You might be saying like, how weak? Well, that's not me. Or you might be saying, like, I feel you, me too. Like if you're the first, then often you'll say, well, I have an identity. I'm a successful business person. Yeah? Well, let me know when that leaves you empty. Because it will. I've been around long enough now to see a whole bunch of unsatisfied businessmen. Or maybe my identity is being a mom. Well, Well, that won't be enough. Or a scholar, again. It'll not bring security. Neither will any other identity. Let me remind you about an identity that will last a lifetime, plus an eternal lifetime. And that identity is found in Jesus Christ. It's in him where security lies. Those nagging insecurities of of all your life, the remedy is found in Jesus. Here's a side note that I've been praying and, and thinking over the last month or two. Jesus is actually the remedy to all our problems and issues, like personally and as a society. And he certainly is the remedy for my personal insecurities. So not long after that, uh, that car theft praise sort of thing, that, that uh, craziness, the truth about Jesus slammed into me. And, and it pointed me to the, the identity he wanted for me, the identity which would, prove, uh, which would provide security. The Bible describes, describes it best. Romans chapter 8, 15 through 16. The spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are, if we are children, then we're heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Like I had always been insecure Not because I didn't know who I was, really, but because I knew exactly who I was. I knew I was a broken, petty, evil, sick human being. My insignificant accomplishments, my past hurts, my faults, my failures, my lacks, all contributed to my insecurity. We see then that insecurity comes from two separate directions. Possibly from not knowing who you are, Or maybe even more likely, knowing exactly who you are. And the remedy is the same the discovery of who you really actually can become in Jesus, who you really are and what you're called to do. See, God knows that and and He provides the remedy in Jesus. But the remedy isn't just a moment of forgiveness. But it's an all-access pass into a new identity where insecurity is left behind. I leave insecurity behind not because I'm strong or not because I'm great or because I learn a new mantra. But because of an identity change, I become God's son and he had a new identity for me. How can each of us find internal security? Only one way knowing who we are in Jesus. This is the place to begin. And I invite any of you who don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've never asked him to allow you into the kingdom of heaven through his sacrifice on the cross, I invite you to simply say yes to Jesus today. Ask him to save you. But not only that, to change you. So make him both the Savior and the Lord of your life. All you need to do is confess that you realize how broken you are, that you need him to heal you and to pay for your mess-ups and bring you into his family. You can pray that in your own words at any time and become a Christ follower. But I know most of you who are listening right now, you've probably already made that commitment. And yet some of you may still feel insecure. Even though you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior a while ago, even though you've been going to church for some time, there's still this nagging insecurity within you. Well, let's all look together and take a deep dive into the implication and depth of the reality of our salvation choice. We may have more available because of that decision than we actually ever dreamed possible. So Peter, the Apostle Peter, the rock on whom the whole church was built, he was raised from an insecure coward, denying that he even knew Jesus, to giant of the faith and willing to be a martyr, killed for Jesus because he had a shift in his thinking from mere apprentice or acolyte of Jesus to something much more. And he points us to the way of access which leads to a transformed life. He writes this to people who will come after him in the faith. It defines out our status as a child of God and it gives us a glimpse of what's available for us. He records it in 1 Peter chapter 2, 9-10. through 10. Let's take a look at that. He writes this, But you are a chosen people, So God's new identity has several components right there. Let's look at them. The first one is he says, you are a chosen people. Man, talk about a security builder. You are chosen by God. Remember picking teams in elementary school? If you're like me, you, you may have been in super insecure and had a lot of that anxiety because maybe you won't be chosen until the last person. Or maybe... You worry that like nobody wants you on your teams or even your friends won't pick you to be on the team. But God says, no, no, no. It's not like that. And God's like, I want her on my team pointing directly at you. Or God says, he's my choice. Look, we are a people that God has chosen. He wants you. The next thing it says here is that that we are a royal priesthood. This speaks to what you do as a Christian. Your identity is not just a title, but it's an action. So like if you're a skater, then you skate. If you're a toker, you toke. If you're a student, you studie. If you're a gangster, you gang. If you're a lawyer, you law. If you're a Christian, you Christ. We do Christ things. Like it's WWJD all day, baby. Jesus is our high priest. As it says in Hebrews, Hebrews 6 and 20 says this, Jesus has entered on our behalf, He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now, in this passage, we are each called royal priests, men and women, as we imitate him. We therefore function and do and live as Jesus did in the ministry to others. Every one of us is a priest. First to your family, you are the pastor of your family. And you're in charge of the spiritual well-being of each member within your family. You are the pastor at your workplace. You're like the company pastor in charge of the spiritual well-being at work. They may not pay you for it extra, but that's what you are. You are the pastor at your school. Look, the school has a guidance counselor and it has a principal and it has a, like, those kind of things. But you are in charge of the spiritual growth and well-being of your fellow students our workplaces or or church right here at Jericho Road Church, you're the priest right here at our church. You're in charge of the spiritual well-being of the other members of this church. You say, well, what are you doing here, Pastor Sam? Well, I'm only here to help you do a better job at your job. You see, pastors like myself are given, uh, given to you to empower the body of believers to do your ministry, the calling that God gives you. See, the the Bible says it this way in Ephesians chapter 4. It says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Here's why he gave them to you. To equip the people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Look, you don't need a man-made title to step into your role as a royal priest. It's already given right here in Scripture to you. So this kicks out insecurity because Jesus has given us a job to do. And it's a big job with a big title. Look, he gives us that title. Look, how great does it feel in life when you get a promotion at work? Like a vote of confidence, a boost to your personal morale. So how much more when God promotes you to royal priest? The next thing we see in this passage is that uh, we are a holy nation. Holy means set apart. Set apart from sin, set apart from the world, set apart from insecurity, set apart from judgment, set apart in purpose. He calls you holy, so you're holy. No need to self-doubt, self-sabotage. Hear him when he calls you holy. Imbibe it into your soul. You are holy. But not just holy, you are a holy nation. You're a part of something bigger than yourself. I mean, this is a huge need for most of us. It's why we try to identify with sports team. It's why, why gangs really do arise. It's, it's where national pride during the Olympics comes from, or even on the world stage. But because this need is so strong, it actually is one of the key sources to our insecurity. Like we're afraid to be alone or to be rejected, to discover that there's no one like us. Maybe there's no one on our side. But becoming a citizen of heaven mitigates all that fear. You are part of God's holy nation. And you individually will always belong to him. And additionally, you are part of a group of other humans who are his as well. One of the reasons that I continued to go to church in college is that I felt like there was a a togetherness of the believers that were there. I felt like I was home even before I became a dedicated Jesus follower. It was clear there was something different about being part of the people of God. So I want to tell you that every one of you can be part of His nation. First, as part of the group of believers called the Universal Church, where we all belong as part of His people. But I also want to say in a microcosm of that reality is the truth that you belong to Jericho Road Church as well. Like you have a place where you will be accepted and loved. Friends who will support you. Brothers and sisters who will unite with you in raising your children. In coming alongside of you when you're sick. In being there in the midst of death and life. Births and birthdays. Like you belong and you are welcome here. The next part tells us that, that we are God's special possession. We actually belong to God. To some, this may sound a bit weird to be the, the possession of God, but I think that's a little bit how we feel towards our kids, that there are special possessions. I mean, not because we own them or, or not because they're not persons, but because they're they're specially ours in like a beautiful, unique way. That's how God sees you. Like you're his precious rose, his beautiful daughter. You're his strong son in whom he's proud. You're his child. He says to you, you are mine and I love you. Now, the second half of this passage uh, tells us about purpose. Let me find that really quick. The second half tells us about purpose, that God has something powerful planned for us. Having powerful purpose has is an incredibly uh, strong diffuser of insecurity. The verse says it this way, uh, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So what this is telling us is that that we were chosen... For a purpose. And that first purpose is to declare the praises of Him. But to declare His praises to whom? First, we declare the praises back to God. We call this worship. One of your purposes is to tell God how awesome He is, how amazing and wonderful He is, to thank Him and look to Him and worship Him. But there's a second recipient of the declaration of God's praises. It's to those who don't know him. So we declare his praises to those who are still trapped in darkness. We are the light of the world. Remember from last week's message? Look, our purpose for each and every one of us is to declare God's praises back to him and in front of other people because of what he has done for you. He called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And so that's the thing we're supposed to be talking about. That's the thing we're supposed to be declaring to people. Don't worry about convincing anyone that they've got to become a Christian or, or knowing the Bible fully. Just tell them how God called you out of the wonderful light. That's what he's telling you to do, to declare that in front of others. The second purpose is to actively become a new people. Not Korean Americans or American Koreans or Chinese or, or Japanese or, or black or white, but a new people. Once we were not his people... But now, we, all together, everyone who has asked Jesus to be their Lord and Savior, we, together, are a new people. You are a Christian, a new people, and a people not based on birthplace, birth country, parentage, lineage, or anything else on this planet, but a people whose heritage is based on God's mercy. We are not bound by the bloodlines of our parents but the blood of our Savior, through whom we receive mercy, the forgiveness of sins. Let me drop that on you one more time. We are bound not by the bloodlines of our parents, but the blood of our Savior, through whom we receive mercy, the forgiveness of sins. God offers you a whole new identity, like a whole new package, purpose, belonging, fulfillment, a new identity. God's child. Insecurity cannot stand against these realities. Write this verse down somewhere, that 1 Peter 2, 9-10 verse. Maybe memorize it. Use the true words of God spoken to you to define your reality, to define who you are, to dispel your insecurity because of who He is and what He has done for you and in you. You are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Walk this way. Let's sing out this reality in one voice as we close in worship today.